We now begin Maseches Yevamos. This is Perak Aleph, Mishnah Aleph 1-1. And the truth is that this Mishnah is a bit of a doozy. It's a complicated one. I'm going to recommend highly that you get diagrams in front of you to follow this Mishnah. Um, I'll try to provide diagrams in various ways, but depending on how you're hearing this, this is not a Mishnah to listen to in the car or on your jog. You're going to need to have um, some picture in front of you, pictures in front of you to follow these uh, complicated family trees. No way around it. Okay, but the good news is it's just this first Mishnah, and if you get past this first Mishnah, you'll be well on your way to getting the rest of the Masechta. Bez Hashem. So, so, we begin. Now, as I said in the introduction, Yevamos, what we're talking about here is, let's say you have two brothers, Reuven and Shimon, we'll call them, and Reuven dies without any surviving offspring, so then his brother Shimon has a mitzvah to marry through Yibum, or Chalitza to sever the connection um, with the shoe procedure, removing the shoe procedure um, to the surviving widow. And only then, once either Yibum or Chalitza is performed, is that connection that we call Zika that binds the widow to the surviving brother um, severed. Until then, she cannot marry anybody else. Now, our first mission here is going to focus on scenarios where there's a relationship that exists between the surviving brother Shimon and his late brother's widow, which prohibits them to be married. We'll take the simplest example. Reuven and Shimon are brothers. Shimon has a daughter, and Reuven marries his brother's daughter, his niece. So that's permitted in a Torah law, no problem. But of course, if Reuven dies and leaves his wife as a widow, and the wife is also his brother's daughter, so you're not allowed to marry your own daughter under any circumstances. As we said in the introduction, the prohibition of marrying your brother's wife is suspended for the mitzvah of Yibam, but that's the only Issacharis which is suspended. So other prohibitions, incestuous prohibitions that carry with it the penalty of Karis, divine excision, are not relaxed or pushed away because of the mitzvah of Yibam. And therefore, the surviving Shimon will not be allowed to marry his daughter. And that being the case, she's free to go. There's no Zika whatsoever. She, she's Penuil Shuk. She can marry whomever she wants. So the the nub, the thrust of our Mishnah is really to answer the following question. At the moment that Reuven dies, leaving one or more widows, are these widows free to marry whomever they want, or is there an existing Zika, a bond that connects the widow or widows to her late husband's brothers, which requires either Yibam or Chalitza to be resolved before she can go on and marry somebody else. So our Mishnah is going to list here 15 different relationships where the surviving brother is forbidden to marry the widow or one of the widows because it's an incestuous relationship and she's an, it's an, an erva. She's a prohibited woman as a, through incest, through a penalty of karas, which makes that he cannot marry, he, the surviving brother, Shimon, can't do yibam or chalitza with the widow of his other brother who died, Reuven, and therefore she's free to go. Adding to the complication, that's straightforward enough, is that if there were two wives, Reuven died childless, he has two wives, one of the two wives is a relative of the surviving brother Shimon in such a way that they can't get married. So then just as Reuven can't marry the one widow, let's say because she's his daughter, so Reuven is also not allowed, or the women are not allowed or exempt from, 
the mitzvah of Yibam or Chalitza, so they're all free to go. If one of the surviving widows can't do Yibam or Chalitza with a surviving brother, none of them can. So if those women, co-wives, are referred to as tsaros. A tsara is a co-wife. So just as if one of the wives is patura, she's exempt from doing yibum or chalitza, so too are all of her co-wives exempt from doing yibum or chalitza with the surviving brother. Now, if there had been three brothers, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, Reuven marries his brother Shimon's daughter, let's say, and he marries another woman also. So there are these two daughters. We'll call them Rachel and Leah. So, now, when Reuven dies, Shimon can't marry either of them because, let's say, Rachel is his daughter. But if there's another brother, Levi, since Levi is not related to these girls, I mean, they're his nieces, but he's not prohibited from marrying them, so then Levi may marry either Rachel or Leah, and therefore he must do Yib Morchalitza with either Rachel or Leah. If he does Yib Morchalitza with one, then, and only then, are they both, or are the remaining ones who didn't do Yibum free, in this case, Leah, free to go marry whomever she wants. And of course, if Levi does Chalitza with one of them, they're both both free to go. Now, in the event that that's what Levi does, Levi marries, let's say he marries Leah, not his brother Shimon's daughter, unconnected. And then Levi dies without any children. So now there's a mitzvah once again of Yibum that's going to fall to Shimon. And now Shimon has no relationship whatsoever with the, survi- the widow of his brother Levi. She's just, she had been married first to the brother Reuven. Now she's married to Levi. But it's not his relative at all. And therefore he could do Yibum or and must. Except that since that woman had originally been, this Leah had originally been a co-wife of Rachel, his daughter, and she was at that point forbidden to do chalitza with Shimon because she was exempt as a tsara of the erva, as a co-wife of his daughter. So she always remains forbidden to him. So in fact, being that she's a co-wife of Shimon's daughter, so then she remains forever forbidden to him, and therefore, in fact, they will not be Yibam Rechlitza. She's free to go. Levi's wife, excuse me, Levi's, late, late Levi's widow, Leah, is free to go because she is the Tsara, the co-wife of Rachel, who was forbidden to Shimon because Shimon, that's a Shimon's daughter. More than that, if there was another wife that Levi took, so Levi, in addition to doing, let's say, Yibam with Reuven's wife, Leah, he also took another wife. We'll call her Tamar. So now, if Levi dies childless, not only is Leah exempt from Yibam Mechalitza with other brother Shimon because she is the Tsara of his erva, the co-wife of his daughter from the previous marriage when they were married to the brother Reuven, also, Tamar, Levi's other wife, is exempt from being Berchelitza with the surviving brother Shimon because she is the Tsara of the Tsara of the Erva. She is the co-wife, Tamar is the co-wife of Leah, and Leah was the co-wife of 
Rachel. And Rachel was the daughter of Shimon. So since when originally Reuven died, leaving those two wives, Rachel and Leah, at that moment, Leah was prohibited to Shimon as the tsara of his erva. So, so too, if she becomes a co-wife with Tamar, so now Tamar is the tsara of the tsara, and she's also not allowed, not going to do yibum with Shimon, and therefore they're all free to go. That is the basic story of our Mishnah here. Um, we'll list 15 different relationships with that scenario. The first being Shimon's daughter, that's the simplest. So here the Mishnah says inside, there are 15 relationships that could exist between the surviving brother, Shimon, and his late brother, Reuven's widow, that would not only prohibit Yibun Brachalitza, but also would potros tsarosein, these relationships would exempt the co-wives that Reuven left behind from doing Yibun Brachalitza with Shimon, and also tsaros tsarosein, in the event, like I described, there's also Brother Levi, and Levi took on one of the co-wives that are left behind, so then, if Levi dies childless, so then still, both the tsara, the co-wife of the original relative, as well as the tsara of the tsara, the co-wife of the co-wife, of the original prohibited girl, the erva, they all become exempt. And they're exempt mina chalitza or mina yibum, both from chalitza and from doing yibum. Those are always a package deal. If a woman is exempt from chalitza, is exempt from yibum, and vice versa. Ad sofa olam, until literally the end of the world. What we mean is, if there were, let's say, ten brothers, so what happens is, let's say, for example, Levi dies with those two wives, like I said, Leah and Tamar, so he said that Shimon can't do even, but let's say there's another brother, Yehuda, and Yehuda takes on one of the wives, let's say not Tamar, but another, he takes on Tamar, has another wife also, and then that other wife will call her Rivka. So if Yehuda dies, still Shimon can't do even more chalitza with Rivka because she's the tsara of the tsara of the tsara, and so on and so forth. Ad olam, ad sof olam, until the end of the world, meaning if there be a hundred, you know, links in that co-wife chain, that all be exempt from doing Yibam or Chalitza. Ve'elohen says the Mishnah. And these are those 15 relationships. So again, really I think you need to get a chart in front of you or a diagram from somewhere. I'll try to provide, but you need to, you know, you need to follow along to keep what's going on here. So the first case is Bito, his daughter, meaning Shimon has a daughter. She married Reuven. Since Reuven's now died, childless, leaving over the daughter, We'll call her Rachel, and Rachel is Shimon's daughter. Rachel can't marry her, and therefore she's exempt from doing Yibam Berchalitza, and she'll also exempt the co-wives, like I explained. And similarly, Bas Bito, Bas Beno, cases two and three, are his granddaughters. Shimon's granddaughters are the ones who married and now are widows. Bas Bito means his daughter's daughter. Bas Beno means his son's daughter. They're both what we call granddaughters in English. Can't marry those. Also, the fourth case, Bas Ishto, the daughter of his wife, meaning the stepdaughter, right? So that means that originally Shimon married a woman who had a daughter, okay? That's the daughter of his wife. And Shimon can never marry that, that, that girl forever as an erva. But if Reuven, Shimon's brother, does marry her, so then they can get married. But of course, if Reuven dies childless, 
she remains an Erev as a Basbito, his stepdaughter, and therefore she's exempt from Yibam Chalitza and will exempt the, the co-wives as well. The next case is numbers uh, five and six are Bas Bena and Bas Bita. These are his step-granddaughters, we'll call them, right? In other words, um, he has a wife, and the wife has granddaughters, whether through her daughter, son or daughter, and those granddaughters are his step-granddaughters, if you will. It's his wife's granddaughters. So he can never marry them, and if that's who Reuven originally married, they won't be able to do Yibam afterwards. Chamaso. Chamaso is his mother-in-law, right? So that means, again, Shimon marries someone, she has a mother. That mother is the one who married Reuven, Shimon's brother. So Reuven marries Shimon's mother-in-law, and then Reuven dies. So again, since it's Shimon's mother-in-law, he can't marry her, so she's free to go. Then you have Eim Chamasu, Eim Chamav. These are the two, I'll call them grandmother-in-laws. Shimon's wife has grandmothers. Both of them he can never marry. So therefore, if Reuven does marry them, and then dies, they won't be able to do Yib Morchalitza with Shimon because they're his grandmothers-in-law. Next you have Achoso Me'imo, his sister from his mother. This means his half-sister. Okay, now, okay, this is the first one you really need to chart for. Um, I'll explain it, but you need to chart for this one, case number 10. So Achoso Me'imo means his sister from his mother. So the story is there are two Parents, two people, Avram and Sarah. Okay, Avram has a son from his first marriage named Reuben, and Sarah has a daughter from her first marriage called Leah. Okay, now Reuben and Leah have absolutely no relationship to each other. It's just that Avram and Sarah married each other after they had their first marriages and their first sets of children, and therefore, in English, we'd call Reuben and Leah step siblings. Okay, but. From the Torah's perspective, they have no blood connection whatsoever, and therefore they're allowed to get married. Now, after Avram and Sarah, who had Reuven and Leah respectively, get married, they have a child named Shimon. That means that Shimon shares a father with Reuven, and sharing a father with Reuven means that normally the halachas of Yibam and Chalitza kick in. The problem is that Reuven married Leah. Leah, we'll call him, is the stepsister, but that's permitted. But the problem is that Leah is Shimon's half-sister, right? They had the same mother. Sarah is the mother of Leah from the first marriage and the mother of Shimon from the second marriage. And you're not allowed to marry your sister, even if it's through your mother, like half-sister. And therefore, if Reuven marries Leah, his stepsister, that's permitted. Should Reuven now die childless, so Leah, of course, would fall to Yibam. The problem is she can't marry Shimon, who is a choso me'imo. Reuven, Leah is his sister, Shimon's sister, through his mother, through Shimon's mother, Sarah. And therefore, they can't get married. And therefore, she'll uh, be free to go. Okay, the 11th case, a imo, his mother's sister. Also, you need a chart for this one, I think. The story is that there's the fellow Avram. He's going to be a father. And Avram, from his first marriage, has a child, Reuven. Okay? Then Avram gets married to a woman named Sarah, and they have a child named Shimon. So Reuven and Shimon share the same father, Avram, and therefore, there's the potential for Yibam to kick in. 
But who does Reuven marry? Reuven, the older brother, from the stepbrother from the first marriage, Avram's first marriage, marries Sarah, his stepmother's sister, Leah. Okay, now you're allowed to marry your your father's wife's sister. That's okay. There's no blood connection here at all between Leah and Reuven, right? Because this is a second marriage between Avraham, his father, and Sarah, his stepmother. So Reuven can and does marry Leah. The problem is, if Avraham and Sarah have a child, Shimon, that means the relationship between Leah and Shimon is achos imo, as our Mishnah says, the sister of your mother. It's meaning it's Shimon's aunt. Leah is Reuven's aunt through his mother's side. And you're not allowed to marry your aunt. Achos imo. And therefore, if Reuven dies childless, so Leah, the widow, cannot marry her nephew, Shimon, because it's her sister, Sarah's son. And therefore, their relationship is exempt, and all the co-wives are exempt as well. The twelfth case is the case of Achos Ishto. That means his wife's sister. So the case here is that you have two brothers, Reuven and Shimon. They married two sisters, Rachel and Leah. So Reuven's married to Rachel, Shimon's married to Leah. When Reuven dies childless, so Shimon can't do even with Rachel, Reuven's widow, because Rachel is his wife Leah's sister. There's a prohibition from marrying your wife's sister uh, during her lifetime. So therefore, Shimon can't do even. And of course, again, if Reuven had other wives, those of the Tsaros would be exempt as well. The thirteenth case is Aishas Achiv Me'imo. That means that the would-be Yavam Shimon is going to be pro- prohibited to marry this widow because she is the wife of his brother from his mother's side. And again, you need a chart here. This is a complicated one. So the setup is you have two parents, Avram and Sarah. Before they married each other, they had children of their own. So Avram has a son, Reuven, with some other woman. Sarah has a son, Levi, with some other man. So Reuven and Levi have no relationship whatsoever. whatsoever. Now, Avram and Sarah marry, and they have a child, Shimon, which means that Shimon is, in English, a half-brother with both Reuven and Levi, but Shimon's related to Reuven through his father, therefore there'd be a Yibum situation potentially. He's related to Levi through his mother, which doesn't have any Yibum implications, but it uh, it does have the restriction of the erva restriction of marrying your brother's wife if it's your brother through your mother's side, which is our case here. So what happens? The case is that after you have these three boys, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, Again, Reuven unrelated to Levi. Different parents on both sides. So Levi gets married to some woman. We'll call her Leah. She has no relationship whatsoever to anybody in the picture. Okay? When Levi dies, he leaves over this widow, Leah. No Yibum yet. Nothing about Yibum. Could divorce Leah just as easily. So Leah is now looking for a new husband. She marries Reuven. That's okay, because Reuven and Levi have no relationship whatsoever. Now, Reuven dies, and he leaves no children. So now a Yibum situation emerges. But Reuven's brother, Shimon, who would normally do Yibum for Reuven, can't marry Reuven's widow, Leah, because she had previously been married to Shimon's brother through his mother's side. 
Aishas Achiv Memo. And even though Yibam pushes off the that one issue of um, your brother's wife, because necessarily so, it does not push off the Isser of your brother's wife through your mother, since there there's no Yibam situation that's ever relevant. That one only does Yibam, like we said before, through his brothers with his brothers through his father's side. So therefore, Shimon can't marry Leah because she is Aishas Achiv Meimo. The fourteenth case is Aishas Achiv Shlohaya Ba'olamo. Your brother's wife, in a scenario where you were never alive when your brother was alive. So the situation is like this. You have two brothers, Reuven and Shimon. Reuven marries his wife, and um, then he dies childless. So now, the normal case even would be that Shimon should do even on Reuven's wife. We'll call her Sarah. Okay? That's normal. But before that happens... We have another child, Levi, who's born. Now, Levi being born after Reuven dies means that, A, we know he's not relevant for the question of Yibam, but B, therefore, the widow Sarah is forever forbidden to Levi as um, Ashes Ach, his brother, late brother Reuven's wife. He can never marry her. And since she becomes Asr now, there's an issue that will persist. So that means, now, if Reuven dies, leaving Sarah over. And if Shimon takes her with Yibum. And then Shimon dies, and he leaves no children. So the only brother left is Levi. Levi's supposed to do Yibum. The problem is he can't do Yibum because the widow Sarah is already forbidden to him as Eishas Achiv Shlohaya Bolamo, the wife of a brother of his that he was never alive at the same time as, meaning, like we said before, Levi can't marry Sarah because she's his late brother Reuven's wife, and therefore he can end that without any issue of Yubim that ever kicked in. Okay, so that's the case. Levi can't marry Sarah, so she and the co-wives go free. Okay. Fifth in case of Kalaso, one's daughter-in-law. So the situation is you have two brothers, Reuven and Shimon. Now, Reuven has a son, Yitzchak. Yitzchak marries Sarah. Sarah, therefore, is the Kalaso, the daughter-in-law of Reuven. And Reuven can never marry her, of course, while his son's alive. Um, but even after the son dies, she's forever forbidden to him as his daughter-in-law, Kalaso. So, if Reuven does die, the let's just say in a conventional sense, um, don't forget the issue of Yibam at all, so Shimon, Reuven's brother, can marry her. No problem. Not his daughter-in-law. Now if Shimon dies, and he has no children, so now Sarah should fall to Yibum. The only brother is Reuven. Reuven can't marry Sarah because Sarah is Kalaso. It's his, it's Ru, she, Sarah is Reuven's daughter-in-law from the first marriage. And therefore, again, she and her co-wives are exempt from Yibum. So now the mission repeats itself, um, summing up, saying, Hare Elu, all of these, meaning that list of 15 relationships, Potros Tsarosein, Vetsaros Tsarosein, Menachalitza, Menayibum, Atsofa Olam. All these women are exempt, and they furthermore exempt their co-wives, and their co-wives' co-wives, as explained before, from both Chalitza and Yibum, um, Atsofa Olam, no matter how many brothers there are in the chain, all like I explained before. Now, that's not like the mission, it's to repeat itself, um, so the question is, why is it doing that? So the truth is, this is coming to add 
an extra case that you would have thought perhaps is a problem but is not, and also um, the initial counting of the number 15, which was superfluous, also comes to add another case. Um, those two cases are, I'm just going to not deal with them now because they're they're not the cases and they're complicated. I'll tell you the names. One is called Tsaras Mema Enes. We'll go into Mion shortly and have the 13th chapter of the Mesech to deal with that. And one is Tsaras Machzir Grushaso, um, the co-wife of one who remarried his divorced wife. Both those cases I'm not discussing for now. You'll forgive me. We're way over time. And so, um, but uh, they're there. Okay, the mission's not done. If you recall, the way I framed the Mishnah is that we want to answer the question, at the moment that Shimon dies, and we look at his family tree, is Reuven, Shimon's brother, um, obligated in doing Yibum with the widows who are left behind? Or is there a relationship that prohibits Reuven and therefore exempts all the co-wives? So our mission is now going to say that let's say Shimon had originally been married to two women, one of whom was on the list of 15. Let's call it now Reuven's granddaughter. Okay, so we know if Reuben's granddaughter is one of the two widows, so then just as he can't marry his granddaughter, all granddaughter and co-wives are all exempt from evil. Now, the mission is going to say here that that's true, but if we get that relative, we'll call it the granddaughter now, if we get the granddaughter out of the picture prior to the death of Shimon, so then Shimon just leaves one widow unrelated to Reuben, and therefore, even though at some point, she was a tsara, a co-wife of an erva, a relative of Reuven. At the time of death of Shimon, she's alone. There is no erva that prohibits or that gets in the way to make it that she is exempt from doing yibum, and therefore she would be obligated in doing yibum with Reuven. So the question is, how could we, quote-unquote, get that relative, that forbidden erva, out of the picture? So our mission says there are really four ways. Two of them are really obvious. The first is Shimon could simply divorce the wife. If Shimon divorces Reuven's granddaughter, let's say, so then he leaves just one widow, and that widow would do even with Reuven. Same goes if she dies. If the erva, the first wife, Reuven's granddaughter, who married Shimon, she predeceases Shimon, she dies first. So when Shimon dies without any children, there's only one wife left, that's the only wife in the picture, and again, that wife would then do even with, or chalitza with, Reuven. There are two other ways that we can get her out of the picture. And those two ways are where we essentially retroactively annul the marriage. We say that Shimon might have thought he was married to this granddaughter of his brother, but, or whatever relative, but he wasn't. How could he do that? So there are two possible ways. Um, one is if it turns out that she is an Ilonis. An Ilonis is a woman who never reaches sexual maturity. She never goes through purity, and therefore she can't bear children. If she can't bear children, so then the original marriage between Shimon and this woman was actually made under false pretenses. Shimon married a woman thinking he could have children with her, and it turns out that she never reached maturity, and therefore she never could give birth to any children, and therefore the whole uh, marriage is a mekach taos. It was a mistake, and therefore retroactively invalidated. We say it never existed. In such a scenario, so the Ilanus gets out the picture, meaning the marriage never happened. That could happen, the truth is that could happen um, during his lifetime or even afterwards um, of Shimon. The point is the marriage never was a marriage. So that being the case, there's only one woman left, 
because we got this this air valve, the picture, and then that remaining woman could do yibum or chalitza with Reuven. The other way is miun. Miun, um, and we'll get more into it much later in the Masechta, miun is where you have a girl who's a minor, and she's widowed, meaning, excuse me, she's orphaned by her father passing away. She does have a mother or brother, and the Torah was concerned that a girl without a father to protect her um, would be uh, be abused, whatever the story is, and therefore, the rabbis empowered her brother or her mother to accept Kedushan on her behalf, to marry her off, essentially, when she's a minor. Now, the reason for this enactment was to protect the girl. So if it turns out the girl's not happy with this arrangement, this is for her benefit, she is allowed to reject her her rabbinic husband. And that rejection is called miyun, lima'en, lima'en is to reject. So <clears throat> if she gets, let's say, when she's 10 years old, she gets married to this fellow rabbinically. She got married near to Shimon. Shimon has a co-wife. And the girl who was 10 years old is the granddaughter of Shimon's brother, Reuven. Now, if she decides she doesn't like Shimon, and therefore she does miyun, it has to happen during his lifetime, of course, while they're, while they're married. So then she retroactively says this marriage wasn't a marriage. I never was married to him. Um, I never that never agreed to this. I never wanted to, whatever. I never wanted to be a part of this. And she can undo it. And by undoing it, it's as if she were never married at all to Shimon. And that's the case. She's out of the picture. Okay, we'll learn a lot more about me and later on. Um, but the point is, our Mishnah says there are those four ways where if we get the the erva out of the picture, so the remaining tsara co-wife is eligible to do yibum. And that's what the mission says inside now. V'chulan, and for all these scenarios, um, im, if the forbidden one of the 15 relations gets out of the picture prior to death, leaving the other co-wife, for example, mesu, she dies, o me'anu, or she, they um, do miun, retroactively undoing the marriage, Oshnis garshu, or Shimon divorces his brother's erva during his lifetime, Oshinim, during the lifetime of Shimon, Oshinimtu Ailanayos, or it turns out that the relative is an Ailanis. The word Ailanis, by the way, an Ail is a is a ram. And um, another word for ram is like Dachar and Zachar, which is like Aramaic words, etc. So, and that's like sort of the word for male. So it's sort of like a backhanded way of saying she sort of lacks all femininity. She's like masculine in a way. It's sort of a backhanded way of saying that. And therefore, because she's not feminine enough to, she has lacks the ability to give birth. That's what Ailanus is. So if she turns out to be an Ailanus, in those four cases, Tsarosein, Mutaros, then the remaining co-wives, so <clears throat> there's no reason why they can't marry Ruvenel, and therefore they could do even more Chalitza. Um, just one small point. As far as the word in the Mishnah, it says that it turns out, Shinimtu, they discover that she was an Ailanus. So then we'll say retroactively, the whole thing was a mistake, like I explained. The truth is, and this is what the, the Gemara points out, even if it wasn't that they discovered it, but actually, like in other words, like miraculously after the fact, but even if it says Shahayu, that is to say that she she just she was a an Ailanus. So I mean, we're not talking Mekachtos necessarily. Let's say Shimon got, went into the marriage, and he married um, he married Reuven's granddaughter, his brother's granddaughter, knowing she's an Ailanus. So there's no mekachtos here, right? Because he knew what he was getting himself into. Even so, she wouldn't restrict the other tsaros. The reason why is because, as you said in the introduction, 
um, with learning from the Pasuk, the word Taylor, that she has to be able to give birth. A woman who can't give birth is not eligible for doing Yibam or because the whole point is to perpetuate the name of the deceased having a child and so on. And that being the case, since she's not relevant to the whole Parsha, the topic of Yibam or she's out of the picture, and therefore any remaining co-wives are back in the picture and could do Yibam or Okay. We're nearing the end here of this of this Mishnah. And the final part of the Mishnah, it just says, it's almost like a, a PS. By the way, the Mishnah concedes that there are, on the list of 15 that we had in the beginning of the Mishnah, there are three relatives that actually can't um, be considered to be Ailanios or nor Mion um, because they're adults. They're mature adults. How do we know that? So they, let's look at the Ailanios first. So these women had children. If they had children clearly from the context of the Mishnah, and they obviously cannot be in Ilonis because they had children. That's the point. So that's what the Mishnah says here. You just simply can't say, with regarding one's mother-in-law. Remember, Reuben's mother-in-law married Shimon. Now, she could fall, of course, to Reuben, but then that would be an exempt, one of the 15. But it's impossible that the mother-in-law is actually a Ilonis because she gave birth to Reuven's wife. Same goes Uve'em Chamaso, the mother of his mother-in-law. She's a grandmother. Uve'em Chamav, or the mother of his father-in-law. Also, she's a grandmother. In those cases, you can't say Shinimtsu Alanios. They turned out to be infertile. It's Alanios. They never reached maturity. That's a, It's a hormonal thing, by the way, should speak out. Um, <clears throat> presumably. Because they gave birth. And nor can you say O Me'anu, that they did Mi'un. This rejecting, because remember, mean only is effective while the minor girl is still a minor before 12 years old. After 12 years old, she has a conventional marriage, like turns into a conventional marriage. So a girl under 12 just can't give birth, and therefore these women who did give birth obviously were older than 12 when it happened, therefore mean is just not, not on the cards. No way to reject once she becomes a bas mitzvah. Okay, with that, we finish this first mission, and really we are over the hump, so don't, uh, if you made it to the end, call a kavot to everyone. Now, even the mission itself will take a, a, a mission or two just sort of um, to catch his breath and reconsider what we just said.